Welcome. This is the third part of our series I've been running for the last, obviously, three weeks. So, um, called Lines in the Sand. And uh, I raised a question like this. What if my greatest accomplishment in life is not really about me? And so that's the question I posed two weeks ago, and I didn't really answer it. And so uh, uh, we've da- been dancing on the edge of this question, looking at the story of an amazing story in the book of 2 Kings, chapter 6 and 7, about four lepers. And so uh, we've danced on the edge of this question. I'd like to answer the question today. But before I do that, big welcome to Andre and Lee, who are back from their overseas junket. No, no. You can let us know how... Um, the guys are going sometime. Ange and Ryan and Hazel and Nora. Back to this again. I get distracted too easily. Anyone else get distracted? Yeah, sorry. Okay, let me get back to this. What if your greatest accomplishment in life is not about you? That's the question I want to look at. And, and the story is found in Two Kings and we've identified, I've been approaching this in like three parts of a story or a movie or a play. In the first act, we, we talked about the problem. The act two is the heroes, and act three is the solution. Now, the first sermon I preached on this was really a bit messed up. We did the heroes first. We talked about four unlikely heroes. We talked about four lepers, and we, we're going to introduce them back into the story in a minute. Last week, we talked about the problem, the issue that they had, and uh, this week, we're going to try to wrap all these three things together. And so... Uh, The background of the story is that the Aramean army had laid siege to the city of Samaria. Samaria was the capital of the northern nation of Israel. This is about 850 BC and and they'd laid siege to the city and the palace for the Israelites, their palace had become their prison. Their place of refuge from the enemy had become their place of potential defeat. Within the city, people were broken they were hurting, they were desperate, they were despondent, they were confused and they were living in fear. The, the people in Samaria were trapped by an enemy outside their gates, but also an enemy inside their hearts. And the enemy had them exactly where they wanted them, he wanted them to be. So let's go back to the story. 2 Kings chapter 6, we'll go second half of verse 25. The siege lasted so long that a donkey's head sold for 80 pieces of silver and a cup of dove's dung sold for five pieces of silver. One day as the king of Israel was walking along the wall of the city, a woman called to him, Please help me, my lord the king. He answered, If the lord doesn't help you, what can I do? I have neither food from the threshing floor nor wine from the press to give you. Verse 28. Then the king asked, What's the matter? She replied, This woman said to me, Come on, let's eat your son today, and then we'll eat my son tomorrow. So we cooked my son and ate him. And the next day I said to her, kill your son so we can eat him. But she has hidden her son. When the king heard this, he tore his clothes in despair. Last week we looked at how the enemy lays siege to our lives. How he lays lays siege to our families, to our relationships, to our values and to identity. And the, the three, the four lines I encouraged us to look at last week and we'll, we'll get them on our website shortly. But there's four lines that you need to read and encourage you to draw. A line of faith and a line of faith that chooses to live on a space where I declare what God has said over me. Too easily we, we choose to live on the side of disbelief. 
but too easily we choose to, we know what God's word says, but we don't believe it. Last time I checked, we are called believers. And so I want to encourage us all to, when, when difficult times come in famine and drought and come, draw a line in the sand and say, you know, I am choosing to live on the side of belief. I believe God's word. I believe what God said about me. I believe in God's promises. We talked about drawing a line of hope. Drawing a line that says, you know what, when I feel discouraged, I'm not going to have a pity party. I'm not going to stay where I'm put. I am choosing to cross a line and go to a place of hope. Drawing a line of hope. We looked at a line of love. Choosing to live on a sign of love. And instead of devouring each other with our words, with our attitudes, with our actions. You know what, we need to make a daily choice. No matter what someone does to me, no matter what someone says to me, even if they're a Christian or a pastor or whoever, or your mum or your dad or your son or your daughter or your brother or your sister, no matter what someone says to you, draw a line and say, I'm not going to choose to respond from a side of hate. I make an active choice to draw a line, cross the line, and respond from a side of love. Jesus said, by this will all people know you are my disciples, not by your actions on this side of the line, but by our love for one another. Draw a line, live on the side of love. And the last thing was a line of defense. Choosing to make, put guarding your heart. Solomon tells us to guard our heart with all diligence. Tell you what, your heart is so important. Too easily you can allow stuff to get in there that it can destroy you from the inside out. So draw a line of defense. I am not going to respond. I'm not going to act like that. Okay, so then, now we move to this part of the story. Now, there were four men with leprosy sitting at the entrance of the city gates. Why should we sit here waiting to die, they asked each other. We will starve if we stay here, but with the famine in the city, we will starve if we go back there. So we may as well go out and surrender to the Aramean army. If they let us live, so much the better. But if they kill us, we would have died anyway. So at twilight, they set out for the Arameans. But when they came to the edge of the camp, no one was there. For the Lord had caused the Aramean army to hear the clatter of speeding chariots and the galloping of horses and the sounds of a great army approaching. The king of Israel has hired the Hittites and the Egyptians to attack us, they cried to one another. So they panicked and ran into the night, abandoning their tents, horses, donkeys and everything else as they fled for their lives. This was the core passage that I shared my very first message about four unlikely heroes. Four men who chose to draw a line in the sand and said, you know what, if we stay at the city gates, we're going to die. If we we don't do anything about our situation, we're going to die. And so they, they weren't going to settle for where they were at. They were not prepared just to settle for death. So they, they were not prepared to remain where they were. So they drew a line in the sand. And the Aramean army, although they were the enemy, it offered them hope. There was a possibility of life. So they chose, I'm not going to sit in my stinking attitude, in my stinking situation. I'm not going to choose death. I'm going to choose life. Even if it was a risk. Even if they had no idea how they would get treated, they still chose life. They decided to draw that line and cross over from despair to possibility and hope. They chose to cross a line from a place of famine to a place of provision. They chose a line, death and life. And as they did, they discovered that God had already gone before them. This is an amazing part of the story, that God had already gone before them. When they get there, they discovered that the enemy was already driven out. Not only had their worst fears vanished, but before them was untold abundance and blessing. And this is where we pick this story up today. 
So when the lepers arrived at the edge of camp, they went into one tent after another, eating and drinking wine, and they carried off silver and gold and clothing and hid it. So these four men, remember, they had nothing. They were lepers. They were outcasts. They they were, were dying. They, they It's a famine, so they had no food. And so they made the most of their good fortune. God had provided for them, so they made the most of their good fortune. And I'm sure all of us would do it. I'm sure, you know, if, you've, if, you, if you're hungry and all of a sudden a pizza appears, uh, you know, I'm sure you'd have more than one slice or two. Or maybe a vegetarian pizza, Adam. That'd be nice. No, that's not, that's a wrong thing. That's just wrong, isn't it? <laughs> so the, these guys, all of a sudden, God had provided something for them, and I get it. They rightfully went from tent to tent, eating this, looting this, grabbing this, putting some new robes on, eating all the food they could find. You know what? And this should be a great place to end the story. This would be a wonderful place to be in, a place of provision, a place of blessing, a place where, you know, I've got everything I want, I've got all the food I want, I've got all the silver, all the gold, I've got all the clothing I want, I've got all the shoes that I want. That would have been a really happy place to end the story. But we discover in that space, though, that they were, yes, they were being blessed, they had abundance, they were feasting, they had wealth. And they began to, but what they started to do was to hoard anything. They they, they had their fill. They, they shoved enough gold and po- stuff in their pockets. But then they started to hide things so it couldn't be taken from them. First they took what they needed, then they started to take more than they needed. After all, they must have felt justified by that. No one had ever cared about them. No one had ever given them anything. No one had ever provided for them. No one cared whether they lived or died. They were lepers. They were cast out of the city. No one acted on their behalf. So why should they care about anyone else? This is God's goodness for us. We're going to have it all. We're going to take it all. We're going to hide it so we get to keep what is rightfully, rightfully ours. Now, I'm sure they weren't intentionally being greedy. That's what's happening. And this happens so easily for us. We can, we can start to become greedy. We can start to experience the blessing of God and start to be holding on to things. Greed slowly infiltrates our life. Our life. And what I find is one of the reasons we encourage you to read God's Word is because it's a mirror. And, and as you read God's Word, you can see yourself reflected in that in so many different ways. And so, so the Bible talks about greed coming into our lives and the danger, the danger of greed. And so the question I want to explore this morning, what do we do? What do I do? What do you do when you experience God's blessing? When you experience God's abundance? When you experience God's provision? It would be so easy for us, like our leprous friends, it becomes so easy for us to start to put things away for ourselves, start to keep things for ourselves. And so we also can start to hoard, hoard things for ourselves. We can start to hoard what God provides for us. Sometimes we can hang on to things that, that the resources that God blesses us with. We can hoard our, we can hoard our silver and our gold. We can hoard our resources. We can, we can hoard the, the blessing that we, all of a sudden we find ourselves blessed by God. Could be financially, could be in so many ways and resources we, and we hoard it. We keep it for ourselves. We could hoard our time. 
Well, this is my time. It's, yeah, it, it's for me. It's, it's not for anyone else. It's, it's for me. We can hoard our abundance. We can hoard our, we can, we can hang on to our encouragement. Well, no one's ever said nice things to me, so I'm not going to say nice things over you. No, no one gave me anything, so I'm not going to give something back to you. We can start to keep things, hang on to things, hoard things. We can hoard our skills. We can stockpile our talents. We can, we, we can keep isolated just for ourselves all our God-given gifts. We keep these things. All we're, I mean, and we make excuses. All we're doing is enjoying the good fortune God's given us. All we're doing is enjoying the, the favor of God and embracing God's provision in our life. All we're doing is walking in the abundance of life that God's promised us. And for many Christians, the enemy camp or the place of blessing and provision becomes the end of the story. For many Christians, even Christians in churches, it's so easy for us to settle in the camp where there's provision and goodness and promises and breakthrough and blessing. We can enjoy all that God gives for us and we can stay here thinking, thank you, Lord, this is, I'll stay here until Jesus takes me home. We think this is the end of the story. This is not the end of the story. And this is what this story that we're looking at today shows us. In the next few verses, we will discover the greatest things the leper, the greatest thing the lepers would ever do. In a few minutes, we're going to discover what the lepers' greatest actions or their greatest achievements, their greatest accomplishment was. And we will discover that it's not about them. It's not about keeping all of God's blessings and all of provision and all of victory. It's not about keeping it for ourselves. You'll see in a minute where I'm going with this. I'm sure you've worked it out by now. But for them to discover their, what God has called them to do required something of them. So at some time in the enemy camp, they were, they were happily looting and eating and feasting. Something started to niggle at their conscience. Something started to stir at the inside. Finally, they said to each other, Hey, this is not right. This is a day of good news and we aren't sharing it with anyone. If we wait until morning, some calamity will certainly come fall upon us. Come on, let's go back and tell the people at the palace. I'm not too sure their decision was a desire to do the right thing. Or it was a desire to not do the wrong thing. Probably a bit of both. They, they didn't have an angel appear and say, thou shalt go back with the message of good news. They, 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 did, they didn't have a clear direction from God. But what they did though, because they were part of the people of God, they understood who God was. They understood the nature of God. And I believe that all of us have something, whether inside of us, when we become Christians, the Holy Spirit moves inside of us. And there's something that, that stirs us when we, when we start to realize, hang on, there's something not right inside of me. What, we, what I'm doing is not right. The situation we find ourselves in, there's got to be change in this situation. And if you, and, and they, they knew what the right thing was. In the midst of their feasting and looting and partying, in the midst of enjoying all of God's goodness, all of God's blessing, in the midst of having all of them, all the good stuff of life, they realized this wasn't the right thing. It wasn't wrong, but it wasn't right. And so they decided to do the next right thing. Now, if you follow the story of the lepers really carefully, what you'll discover is what is at stake 
is more than just them. The lepers came to realisation that their actions or their inaction would have impact on far more people than just them. What they did had influence and would impact many others. You see, trapped in that walled city over there, trapped in that place of, 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 of the prison across there, the fortress, were their friends. Yeah, they were rejected. Back in the, back in Samaria, back, back trapped behind the, the, the closed gates were, were family members that had rejected them. There were neighbors that had rejected them. There were, there were work colleagues or tradesmen or, or friends that had, had cast them away. And back there was a city that was desperate and trapped and in famine. They were dying there. And that realization made them do something. This is not right. This is a day of good news. We can't Keep it to ourselves. We can't hoard it. We can't stay in God's blessing just for us. There is a world back there that is in need of the message of hope. And so what they did, they drew, a, they drew another line in the sand. They said, now this is the place of self. This is the place where we enjoy everything for ourselves. They drew a line and on the other side was the side of others. And they said, you know what, this is good news, we cannot keep it for ourselves. Everything God's given us is not directed towards us. God gives us and God blesses us so that we can be a channel, so that we can direct it and cross the line of self into the realm of others. They knew that there was no way in the world that God would provide them all that stuff so that they would hoard it. They knew that if they had become recipients of God's goodness, that they couldn't keep it to themselves. I said, there's nothing wrong with enjoying the abundance and goodness of God and, and we need to do that. God blesses us and God wants us to, to enjoy Him and to enjoy His goodness and His provision and His presence. And that's wonderful. Let's, let's understand we're there to enjoy that. But we don't stop there. The story can't end there. It mustn't end there because there's a city that is trapped under a lie. And there's something terribly wrong if you think that everything God's given you He's given with you in mind only. So the lepers drew that line of sand in the sand and they went back to the very people that had rejected them. They went back to the very king who had the gates locked after them. The king who had he said kick those lepers out and, and seal the gates. And the king who walked every day on the walls, he would have seen those four lepers. They went back to the people that rejected them and hurt them. They trudged back with, yeah, they had new clothes and full tummies, but they went back with a message that seemed too good to be true. And not surprisingly, as we read the story, the message wasn't received super well. The king got out of bed in the middle of the night and told his officers, I just skipped a few verses, effectively they go, they go to the gates, they say, this has happened, then they get, the messenger tells the king, then the king gets out of bed in the middle of the night and tells his officers, I know what's happened. The Arameans know we are starving, so they've left their camp and have hidden in the fields. They're expecting us to leave the city, then they will take us alive and capture the city. Do you know that phrase when they say, if something seems too good to be true? What, what, how does it go? It's probably not. I can understand why the king thought that. Now that, that meant, okay, you know, knocked out, hey, King, there's four lepers at the gates, you know, there's, you know, and they've got a message saying that 
the enemy's gone and that there's food and provision. And the king's thinking, nah, that can't be true. I don't believe that. And so, uh, after all, when you think about it, the, the invitation... It seems so terrifying. He's, the lepers are effectively saying, why don't you leave your fortress of safety? The invitation is for, for the king to leave his place of safety and open his doors and, and take a risk and, and, to, and to step outside. That's a, a massive risk. That's a massive invitation. Effectively, if you stay on this side of the gates, if you stay inside your prison or inside your palace... You will die. But there is hope, there is victory on the other side. Would you dare to believe it? Could you, king, could you possibly believe that victory has been accomplished? And the king didn't. If you stay where you are, you will die a slow death and painful death and probably get diseased from eating donkey's heads and dove's dung. Can't be good for your digestive tract. What do you reckon, Richard? Not so good. But, but in truth, it, it wasn't... The, the, their death inside the city was a death that's caused by fear. See, fear keeps people trapped inside their self-imposed prison. Fear keeps us trapped by a lie that says there's nothing better on the other side. Fear causes us to keep our gates locked. Fear questions anyone or anyone who brings a message of good news or hope. Fear keeps our heads buried in the sand. And fear will eventually destroy us from the inside. Fear leads to discouragement. Fear leads to despair. And fear leads to defeat. Fear keeps us trapped by our own history. It keeps us stuck in yesterday. And it doesn't give us the opportunity to step into what God has for us today. Fear keeps people trapped on the wrong side of the line. Eventually the king sends some scouts to analyse the situation. And the scouts come back and tell the king about what really happened. And the people of Samaria rushed out and plundered the Aramean camp. What you find is that if you can lower your defences... If you can be willing just to step outside your palace, that you would discover that there is abundance and victory waiting for you. Why? Because God has already done it. Now the king questioned the motives of the Arameans. They're just hiding. It's a trap. But can I tell you, you never need to question the motives of God. My Bible tells me that God is good. And God does good. And I know hard stuff happens. And I know, I know tough stuff happens. But don't let that ever affect your view of a good God who is at work doing something beautiful and good, even in the midst of so much pain. And I know many in our church have gone through pain and are going through pain. But I know that in the midst of that, you can discover a God who remains good and true. If you can, lay, if you can lower your, 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 open your gates... Lower your defences. If you're just willing to trust again that you will see the battle has been fought, the victory has been won, (coughs) there is abundance. There is victory. There is provision waiting for you. Where is it? Oh, it's just on the other side. 
You've just got to, you've just got to allow your defenses to come down and you've just got to be willing, can I trust God again? And maybe you're here this morning and maybe stuff's happened and it's very easy to not trust God. It's very easy to, to retreat into our castle. We retreat because we've been hurt by God or we feel we've been hurt by God. We feel we've been hurt by people and we retreat into our fortress to keep safe. Our fortress, but that's a fortress of fear. And the problem is it doesn't keep us safe. It keeps us trapped. I want to encourage you, friends, you know, you've got to trust, got to trust God. You've got to be able to, in the midst of how difficult or how tough or how impossible the situation may seem, would you trust God? Would you draw a line and take a step? You know, sometimes we're afraid of a lot of things. We could be afraid of the fact that if I do that, things will never change. Or people will reject me or hurt me or disappoint me. Maybe if, you, if you're, you're afraid of, of, you know, I'm never going to get through this. I'm, I'm going to be alone for the rest of my life. I don't know what it is that you fear, but I tell you what, that fear keeps us trapped. That fear keeps you stuck. In, 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 that fear keeps you away from receiving what God has for you. I would encourage you, if that's you, and I know there's fears, I know there's struggles, can I encourage you, God is already there. God has already gone before you. And he would say to you this morning, Fear not, because I'm with you. You know, as I immerse myself in this story, there's so many dimensions to what the Holy Spirit was showing me. And what I love about the Bible is as you read it, God keeps showing you more and more and more. Don't worry, I'm going to finish my series today. I'm not going to take for the rest of the year. I am going to finish it today. But, you know, but my prayer is that, you know, as, as, as a preacher, I feel so... Weak's not the word, but ultimately I can't change your heart. Ultimately I need to share what I think God is saying to me and to us, but I've got to trust the Holy Spirit to be speaking to you. I've, I've, got, I've got to trust that, as, you know, that, that God watches over his word to perform it. So as I share something, that God would take my something and make it something significant in you. And that's, that's one of the burdens and the challenges and the joys of, 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 of preaching and sharing God's truth is that, that, that the light of God's word would become truth to you. And so my prayer of these weeks is that, that God would reveal to you, not, not, not Mark's not here to tell you what line I've got to draw, but I never want to be a pastor who says, you've got to do this, you've got to do this, you've got to... No, no, no. I want to be a, a pastor that can show you God's word and, and show you what God's saying and, and in that like a mirror and, and as you look at the mirror you can see, you know what, I need to adjust. This is the line I need to draw. This is the line. I'll, I'll give some examples. I'll give you some ideas. But ultimately I want the Holy Spirit to show you what line you need to draw, what, 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 what step you need to take. And as you consider this story, perhaps you can relate to some of the main characters. Maybe you may see yourself as the leper, or you may see yourself as the king. There are two main characters. Who do you think was more powerful in this situation? Was the most powerful person here the king with all his wealth, wealth, with all his wealth, with all his wealth, and the king with all his armies? Was or was the leper, the disregarded, broken leper, was he more powerful? I don't need to answer the question. 
Who was more powerful? In the natural, the king had the power. He had the money, he had the resources, he had the army, he had everything from the outside. But he was also unwilling to step into what God had for him. The lepers, although they had nothing, although they were broken and battered and their body parts were falling off, the lepers, although they were diseased and smelly and, and all the rest, tell you what, they were more powerful from, than a king because they were willing to take a step into God's place. More powerful. A leper can be more powerful than a king. So you might be here thinking, you know what, Mark, I actually I feel like nothing. Can I tell you that that doesn't affect your power because your power is not in you, it's in God. The king had everything. In the end, this, is, this wasn't a good king, the king of Israel. In the end, he let the, he, in the, end the, the people went out and captured the plunder of the army. He wasn't a good king. But who did God use? He used the lepers. It really gives me great hope because it shows me, you know what, I don't need to be the king. I don't need to be the leader or the, the pastor or, the, or, the, or the, the wealthiest man on my street. I don't need to have the greatest talents. I don't need a top shelf education. I don't need all the things that from the external are the things that we can easily measure success and power by because that's not my greatest achievement. I can be me in my mess and my issues and my problem. I don't want to stay there. I want God to help me change those things. But God's not looking for the king. He's looking for, he's not even looking for a leper. He's just looking for anyone who will say, use me. The king didn't, the lepers did. So although the king and the leper seemed to live in different worlds, they had something in common. For both the king and the lepers, for both of them, so it doesn't matter where you see yourself between those two, you could see yourself in any of those characters, the thing they had in common was that their choices mattered. Their choices mattered. Their choices would affect the lives of many others. And so the thing that really rattled me when I was preparing this message, what well, it was, I was reading this and I'm thinking, that's, that's wonderful, it's great the lepers took a step of faith and all that, and I preached that message already. The thing that rattled me was what would happen if the lepers did nothing? See, their choices matter. What, what if the lepers kept the good news for themselves? What if the lepers decided, you know what? This is what I deserve. This is God's blessing. It's just about me. What would have happened? Remember, this isn't, this isn't a fairy tale. This isn't just a, a feel-good story or a feel-bad story. This is an event that really happened. So if the lepers chose to stay there, many people would be affected. If the king, if he, if the king became so stubborn and he said, I don't care what, I don't care what people tell me about victory's been accomplished. Maybe at church today, people around you are telling, you know what, your victory's been accomplished. God's already in front of you. You can hear the sermons, you can hear the prayers, you can, and people are, are encouraging you and giving you good news, but you can become like a king. You become so stubborn and you can refuse to not believe the good report. You can choose to refuse or think the worst and, and, and all of a sudden you keep your, 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 your gates shut. If the king remains stubborn, what would have happened? The city would be lost. 
So if the lepers remained selfish, the city would be lost. If the king remained stubborn, the city would be lost. Their choices influence the life of others. You see, there's times in your life when your choices have a massive, have massive power. I want you don't don't underestimate the choices that you make. Don't underestimate the influence that you have. Don't don't underestimate what you how what you do has an impact on someone else because it does. Kids, your young people, your choices affect the people around you. It affects your families. It affects, it affects your, your, your friendship groups. It affects everything you do. You may not think so. As we get older, we get, I don't know, I don't know when we become the most stubborn. What year? How old? 49? Hope not. No, stop nodding. <laughs> Reverend Dan, what, how old are you when you become the most stubborn? I should ask Susan. <laughs> Anytime. <laughs> right at the beginning. I, I, I don't know, but there's times when we get so stubborn. There's times when I get so stubborn. Not so much, but there is. I'm sure, is there? No. Um, there's times when my kids are stubborn. There's times when your kids are stubborn. There's times when your husbands and your wives are stubborn. There's times when your grandchildren are stubborn. Hey, this is a, a risk all of us have. It's, it's part of the enemy trying to harden us. But you know what? Our choices, we're all connected. You might think, you know what, it's just me. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a single mom or I'm a single person or, or this is going on and, or, you know, I've, I've, I'm, I'm, this is my situation. You might think, and my choices only bother me. Don't underestimate your choices. You can have influence. You can have impact. You might be thinking, I'm just, I'm just six, I'm just 14 years old and uh, your choices can have a massive impact. I'm just, I'm just, I'm, whatever you're just. Can I tell you your cho- I'm just a grandparent. My friends, your choices have impact and influence on people. And, and what I, I'm imploring you, and I'm, I hope the message is coming through, that you've got to do something. You've only got one life to live. You've only got one life to live. I heard it expressed this way so well that the sand is flowing through our hourglass. Everyone's hourglass. One day, the sand will be gone. For those of you who know that our, our, we've had a death in our family in the last couple of weeks, and our sand runs out. That's just life. For some people, the sand is, is mostly at the end. For some, the sand is flowing faster than others. I don't know how long you got. I just know you've only got one life. And, and I tell you what, don't live that one life doing nothing. Don't live that one life sitting on the side of a, a line that is so self-absorbed and self-consumed that, that you, you've, you've got to dare to believe that I can. God's placed me on this planet to make a difference and to, and to understand God's gifted me and graced me and blessed me with resources and provisions and abundance and hope and life and friends and family. God's given me what he's given me for a reason. And it's not for you. Sorry. It's not just for you. That's what I should say. Because God wants you to enjoy his blessing and provision in your life. Your choices have tremendous power, for good or for bad. Everything you do matters. And when you do the smallest thing, you'd be surprised what goodness can come out of that. See, my greatest accomplishment in life is not about me. 
My greatest accomplishment, I can't say that, my greatest accomplishment in life is not about me. It's not about my gifts. It's not about my talents. It's not about my resource. It's not all about the size of my my church. It's not about my life. It's not about me. Everything God has given me, everything God has blessed me with is not meant just for me. I was not created to be the end of all God's blessing and goodness. Yeah, I believe God wants to bless us and prosper us, but, and I believe that Jesus promised us an abundance of life, but I'm not convinced that it is solely directed at my possessions and my finances. God fills me up so that I can be a blessing to others. Daily, I need to make a choice to draw a line in the sand, a line that, that, the lines, many lines in the sand that help define who I am. I need to draw lines every day that help me remember who God's created me to be. Lines that are not arbitrary, lines that are not dependent. I don't feel like drawing a line in the sand. I don't feel happy. I don't feel like being kind. I don't feel like walking in faith. Lines that are not determined by my feelings, but lines that are determined by God's word. And what I've discovered, the times that I mess up, I mess up. I'm sure you all know that. Ali does. So the times I mess up, or the times when my lines, sometimes my lines get blurred, and what was once a really clear line, life and circumstances, the winds tend to blow the lines away. When that happens, God lovingly reminds me, maybe it's through a sermon series like this, maybe it's my prayer time, maybe as I'm reading God's word, that he reminds me, you know what, Mark, my mercy is new every morning. My grace is sufficient for you. And, and and every day, every moment when I stuff up or when I do stupid things and I mess up my lines and I make a whole... I can, you know what? I can draw a line again. Because there's mercy in you every morning. And then there's times when, when my lines are so clear and my choices are so obvious and that, and I just know what God wants me to do. You know, I can... Take a step of faith. I can take a small step of faith. And what I've discovered, and I'll get our team up now, thanks, um, Ben. And we might close with the joy of the Lord. Thanks. The joy of the Lord. What I've discovered, and particularly over the last three, four weeks as I've been preparing this message, that my lines, as I, as I, as I pray and, and consider what God's saying to me, my lines become arrows. And those arrows point in one direction. They lead me into the provision and the blessing of God. But the lines don't stop there. The arrows also point me and show me that God's plans for my life don't end with me. It's not about me. Church, it's not about us. It is about us, but it's not about us. The target, the God, God blesses us and resources us and fills us with his presence and his grace and his love and his people is so that we can be the carriers of good news to a people that are trapped and dying and broken. So take a moment right now and have a look at your life. Who is affected by your choices? It's never just you. It's never just you. Who's affected by your choices? Family, 
friends. Every choice you make has an impact on them, for good or bad. Many of those choices, many of those friends perhaps, are in desperate need of a message of good news. Are in desperate need for someone to come and show them, point the way to a God who is for them and not against them. A God who is a God of provision and abundance and a joy. But a God who also crossed the line from heaven and came to earth and gave his life on a cross that we don't need to be remain stuck on the side of death. My last thought is my greatest accomplishment in life is not, I've said this, is not focused on me. It's focused on others. Choices. What choices do we make? I heard, I heard, so I don't know where I heard this, but I thought it was really good. You might be wondering, Mark, how do I make, I mean, I've got my future to decide on. How do I make the, the good choice? I don't want to get stuck between the pressure of making choices. I want to encourage when you've got decisions coming up in your life, some very practical things you can do. Pray about it. Pray about it. If, you're, if God's given you a prayer language, pray over it in your prayer language. Let your spirit talk to God's spirit and you will find he'll communicate to you. Just pray. Pray about it. The Bible says don't worry about everything, anything. Pray about everything. So if you're, if you're making choices and, and maybe you're here and you've got, some, you've got some big choices to make, can I encourage you? Pray about it. Speak to God about it. Get his opinion on it. Ask him what line you need to draw. Ask him what step you need to take. Simply, I think, just make the next right choice. doesn't matter what's going to happen 10 years down the track. doesn't matter what's going to happen two, day, two years down the track. When you are faced with a situation and an opportunity for choice, say, Holy Spirit, what's the right thing to do? What's the next right thing to do? If you can live your life thinking about what's the next right thing to do, I think the choices you make will just be guided by God. Your life doesn't end with you. And I think it's so beautiful that God gives us people to touch and change. Lines in the sand. Arrows in the sand. What are you going to do about it? What are you going to do with the 60 or 70 or 90, 120 years that God gives you? What are you going to do with the time you have? I don't know if you've got a lot of time or you've got less time. I wasn't meaning to look at you at that time. <laughs> what are you going to do? Are you going to, are you going to watch the sand go through your hourglass? And, and sit on a side of, of bitterness and defeat and, and I'm never going to be anything or accomplish it. It's a choice you have to make. I tell you, that's not where God wants you to be. That's not where God wants you to remain. Starts with a choice. Simple choice. What's the right choice? Ask God. He will show you. If you get stuck and you're, you're, you're wrestling, find some good Christian friends who can pray with you. Seek God. 
Maybe pray, maybe fast, seek God's word. I tell you what, God, he doesn't leave you alone. He doesn't sort of, he doesn't sort of leave you on this planet to work your way out. Work your own way out. He wants to help you. Because he knows that if you're seeking him and listening to him, then you will find yourself in a place, you will find yourself like the lepers, not staying at a place of death. You'll find yourself in a place of provision. But if you keep listening to God, you'll find yourself, okay, now that I'm here, what's next? What do you want me to do? Where do you want me to go? Who do you want me to love? Who do you want me to bless? Who do you want me to speak life over? Ask God. You're not alone. So why don't we pray? Let's close our eyes, please. So Father God, I just, Lord, I just know at times like this, I feel really insufficient. Lord, that I can share with my human words some thoughts and some things that I believe you're wanting to share with us. And ultimately, Lord, I need your Holy Spirit to take my human words and and to bring supernatural words in people's hearts. Lord, I can't change anyone. I, I can hardly even change me. But Lord, with your Holy Spirit's help, I can make good choices. I can make right choices. And Lord, I pray for all of us, Lord, that you would give us the wisdom to know what to do. And you would give us the courage to do it, even when it's hard. Lord, I pray that you'll help us to be okay with drawing a new line, drawing a fresh line. Thank you for your mercy that's new every morning. But Lord, I pray that you'll help us to be a church that is focused not on us, but a a church that's focused on you and focused on others. And as we do that, that we would experience your goodness and your blessing. But help us to understand the lines we draw our arrows that point us to others. And the message of good news we have is life-changing. Help us not to lose sight of what you've really called us to do. And help us to put into place things and strategies and steps we need to take to become the people you need us to be. Just as our eyes are closed, just sort of ask just one question. I don't know everyone that's here. But maybe you're here this morning and you maybe you've been coming to church for a while or it could be your first time here. But I really, I just know that God is for you. God's reaching out to you. Throughout the service, maybe you've sensed God speaking or stirring or challenging you. This morning, if you, if you want to, if you've never made a decision to become a follower of Jesus, or to, or to at least find out what that looks like, I'd love to talk with you. So I'm just going to ask very briefly, if the eyes are closed, if you're here this morning and you'd like either more information about what it is to be a follower of Jesus or, or you'd like to find someone who you can walk this journey with you, give me a little wave and say, Mark, that's me, because I'd love to catch up with you. Anyone here this morning that says, you know what, I want to draw one line in the sand that says I'm not living for me anymore because that'll mess me up. Anyone this morning? Okay, well then, I'm assuming I'm dealing with most of us who have some sort of relationship with Jesus. And this morning my prayer and my challenge for you is, are you willing to take a step? Are you willing to make a choice? And I want to pray in closing, and I want everyone's eyes to be closed still. If you're here this morning and you're making big choices in your life, I'm not going to get you out, I'm not going to ask you what your choice is. I just want to pray corporately over you. If you're making choices, just give me give me a wave. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm not talking about where you're going for lunch. I'm talking about choices that have 
impact and influence on others. Can you show me your hands again? There's a bunch of you guys. Thank you. Okay. 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 So Lord, I just thank you that, uh, that you've promised to never leave us. And when we make choices, Lord, that you don't sort of leave us to work it out on our own. And so, Lord, I pray for every person that responded that's making choices this morning. Lord, I pray that, that you would speak clearly to them. Lord, that they would find themselves in your word. They would find yourselves, they'll find themselves hearing from you and acting in faith. Lord, that you would show them the lines they need to draw. You will show them the steps that need to, they need to take. And Lord, that you would give them the boldness to step across into that. Lord, for those maybe who have struggling to trust, trust you, trust others, Lord, I pray that you would just give them courage to do what they need to do. And Lord, I just thank you that you are there. You've gone before them. And that as people today choose to lower their defenses, start to step across into your plans and purposes, they will discover that you have gone before them, that you've already made a way, and it's good. (coughs) And so, Lord, I pray that you would just speak to them and guide them. And, Lord, for all of us this morning, Lord, I pray that you'll help us to be a church with a single mind that's you, and a single focus that's you, and a single journey and destination that takes us Yes, into the enemy's camp at times, but takes us back to people who are broken and dying. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.